Welcome to Secrets True Crime. I'm your host, Amber Sitton. What is done in darkness will eventually come to light. That is the purpose of this podcast, to shine light on the story of Hayden Mayberry. Listener discretion is advised. The subject matter may involve violence, sexual content, murder, and adult themes. It is not suitable for younger listeners. You know I try to keep it to a minimum, but there will be a few instances of foul language in this episode. This is the second bonus episode about the disappearance and death of Hayden Mayberry, and these episodes are designed to be listened to in order. 26-year-old Hayden was last seen at the manufactured home he was staying at on Pine Drive in the Boldo community in Walker County, Alabama, on November 19, 2019. The story told is Hayden was seen walking out the back door of the home and into the woods. For those aware of the many missing people and suspicious deaths in Walker County, Alabama, this tale of someone walking into the woods to never be seen again or to later be found deceased is all too familiar. Ill-fated stories of people walking into the woods there have become notorious, and Hayden is no exception to this. At the end of Episode 1, the Walker County Sheriff's Office had announced that they were looking to question three persons of interest in Hayden's disappearance. Those three people were Charity Tessner, J.W. Stone, and Tommy Welch. After this information was made public, J.W. Stone reportedly went in for questioning very quickly. It took a little longer for the Sheriff's Office to locate Tommy Welch and his girlfriend at the time, Charity Tessner that they were taken into custody on outstanding warrants in the wee hours of December 28, 2019. Also, Rosa Rice had been arrested for lying to the investigators about Hayden. On the afternoon of Saturday, February 1, 2020, Hayden's body was found in a wooded area in Boldo. He was reportedly found by a couple walking along Pine Drive. Yes, the same Pine Drive where Hayden was living and was last reported seen. Per Google Earth, Hayden was found approximately 1,280 feet from where he was last reported to be seen. That equates to less than a quarter of a mile. The Walker County Sheriff's Office held a press conference on Monday, February 3rd. Investigator Carpenter stated, that Hayden was found about 100 feet from the roadway in a thick, wooded area. Hayden's family estimates the distance from the road to where Hayden was found to be less than 50 feet. We will be sharing a video clip showing the close proximity of the location to the road and other homes as well as the density of the woods on our Facebook page. Investigator Carpenter went on to say that Mayberry was found fully clothed and badly decomposed. He said due to the decomposition, they were unable to make an immediate identification of Hayden that day. But due to the clothing description they'd been given, and in particular, a hat and a pair of shoes found nearby, as well as the proximity to the location Hayden was last seen, 
they believed that day that they had found Hayden. Investigator Carpenter went on to say that Hayden's remains were sent to the Alabama Department of Forensic Sciences in Huntsville, and he'd attended the autopsy earlier that day. He said through dental records and tattoos that Hayden had, they had been able to positively identify the remains as Hayden. As the press conference continued, it took quite a surprising turn. The preliminary diagnosis of death on what I will emphatically remind you is a limited amount of current fact and circumstances is suicide by probable hanging. There was also physical evidence at the scene that additionally makes us feel the death could be suspicious. I do not want to discuss those facts at this time as the investigation is still ongoing and additional interviews will be needed. The harsh criticism oftentimes received by law enforcement is the allegation that we look for the easy solution to a problem. I want to remind everyone that, as we have previously said, our function is to determine the truth in an investigation and prosecute any offenders that can be determined. At this point in the investigation, we do not feel that we have attained the entire truth of the matter, and we will continue to look. I have spoken today in very generic and scientific terms regarding this matter. Please understand that this case has developed more than that of a crime to us. We have all worked hard on this. On behalf of the entire department, we would like to wish Hayden's family and friends much prayer and thought as they begin to cope with these developments. We have taken their feelings into consideration as we have conducted the difficult process of investigating this matter. Even while responding to the scene, I spoke with family members to allow them to know what our findings were. Hayden's mother preceded him in death. His father is in poor health in a nursing home. Other than his infant son, the closest next relatives are his grandmother and his aunts and uncle. Hayden's Aunt Dana spoke with me about these two days, the day Hayden was found on February 1st, and then the day of the autopsy and press conference, February 3rd. Yes, I had received the call that Saturday afternoon from Carpenter. He told me that there was a body found on Pine Drive, South Pine Drive, down from where he had been staying, and that it possibly could be Hayden. They were going by the description of the clothing that he was wearing. So he was on his way back from town, heading straight to Baldo at that point. Do you know what clothing, what he was wearing? From what I I was told, I think he had on a pair of uh, black sweatpants, could have been a a hoodie or, or a sweatshirt, and I remember someone saying something about red tennis shoes. I can't remember those details at this, you know. But I'm thinking that's what he was wearing. So they found him on Saturday, and then they sent the remains for an autopsy and, I guess, to positively identify right. Hayden on Monday, and they had the press conference that Monday. Tell me how that went, going to the press conference. Yes, Carpenter had sent me a text either Sunday night or early that Monday morning saying that he was going to attend the autopsy and that they were going to have a press conference at 3 o'clock and that they would hopefully by, he wasn't sure, but hopefully by that time they would have been able to identify if that was Hayden. So then that Monday afternoon, 
me and Mother had met and rode down to the sheriff's department. And um, as we were walking up, Jensen had um, came up to us, and you could tell she was upset, and said, uh, they have ruled this as a suicide by hanging. And I was in shock. I was speechless because I was not expecting that at all. I was not expecting to hear that. I figured they would have told the family prior to that that's what they had found instead of me and mother walking up and being told that. So I went in, went on into the the, uh, sheriff's department and Carpenter and some of the other detectives and the news were already in the room getting ready to do the, the press conference. So then when mother came on in, we, uh, we walked on in there and, and he gave the conference and they did the conference. And I was just, I was speechless. I was speechless. So they didn't reach out to you or anyone else in the family prior to the press conference no. to let you know not, that it had been ruled not. suicide by me. No, not to tell us that. No, no. I watched the press conference live, and while I know my shock was nothing in comparison to what the family must have been experiencing, having that information dropped on them at a public meeting, I was still so surprised. But as I've researched hangings, I found something that was pretty interesting. In medico-legal practice, every hanging is considered to be suicide until it is proven otherwise. Apparently, a little more information was given at the press conference after the cameras were turned off. People who attended the press conference were chatting about it online that night. Those who attended also say it was revealed that Hayden allegedly hung himself with a woman's belt, which was described as having a lot of bling on it. Investigator Carpenter had indicated there were suspicious circumstances and evidence found at the scene. I asked Hayden's Aunt Dana if they ever spoke to Investigator Carpenter about what this might have been. After the conference, no, we we didn't hear from him until I recently spoke with him. I asked Jensen if the investigators gave her any information about what they believed was suspicious about Hayden's death. They just told me that he was found with a belt still around his neck, and that was about it. And Carpenter told me when they found him that the way that he was laying, he said gravity just doesn't work like that. Like, if he had fell, it's not likely that he would have landed the way that he was laying. And I actually went to where they found him, and there's no trees, no limbs, no, nothing that he could have hung himself from. When Hayden was found, his body was not hanging. He was lying on the ground with a belt still around his neck. Jensen is right about the tree. I've seen the tree where Hayden allegedly hung himself, and I'd bet it's not at all what you have pictured in your mind either. The burning question in everyone's mind was how could Hayden have been in that location for all that time without anyone finding him? He was so close to the road. His shoes were reportedly bright red, which would have been even easier to spot. 
a couple walking down the road spotted him, but somehow, in that six-plus weeks he was missing, not a single person saw him on what is a pretty busy road. No one noticed the odor of a decomposing body less than a quarter of a mile from where a man went missing and thought that they should notify authorities. There are many homes surrounding the immediate area where Hayden was found. While he was found in the woods, when you take a look at the area from Google Earth, you realize something pretty shocking. The woods he was found in is really the only true patch of woods on the entire road. The parcel of land he was found on is 4.3 acres. On the back side of this property, it adjoins another 45 acres that is heavily wooded. On the southern border of the 45 acres is another 8-acre parcel that is also mostly wooded, and the woods on this 8 acres are the woods outside of Rosa's home. The sheriff's office conducted multiple searches in the area, but they stated they did not search this particular piece of woods. The reason given was they didn't have probable cause for a search warrant. My response to that is a search warrant is not needed if you obtain consent from the landowner. Could they have asked the landowner for consent and the consent was denied? Sure, but if the landowner refused to consent to search and Hayden's body was later found there, I feel like we would have heard that by now. Not only were multiple searches conducted, at least one of those searches included human remains detection dogs. I have several human remain detection dog handlers that I consider to be friends. I asked one of them if her dogs would have likely detected human remains 50 to 100 feet from the road if they had been walked down the roadway. Not only was she adamant that any cadaver dog would have detected Hayden's body if they had been in as close proximity as Pine Drive in front of where he was found, but also told me that any neighborhood dog in the area would have smelled a decomposing body and would have gone to check it out. Hayden's family and others have told me there are a large number of stray dogs on Pine Drive. I don't know if the dogs brought in by Walker County Sheriff's Office walked down the roadway on Pine Drive or not, but with his body being found less than a quarter of a mile from where he was last reported seen, it sure seems like they would have. Hayden's family and friends were hopeful that the investigation would continue, and I'm not here to say that it hasn't. I don't know how active the investigation has been into Hayden's death since he's been found, but another one of Hayden's family members shared something with me that caused concern. Once Hayden's autopsy was complete and his body was picked up by the funeral home to prepare for the memorial service, Hayden's family was contacted by the funeral home. They told the family that they had his clothing, and they wanted to know if the family wanted the clothing or if they wanted the funeral home to properly dispose of it for them. I found this to be surprising and concerning because I would expect that Hayden's clothing and shoes could potentially be evidence in a potential murder investigation and should have been kept by investigators as such. As I mentioned in the last episode, there are quite a few people who are said to have been around Hayden at the time of his disappearance. We want to speak to as many of them as possible and also want you to hear from these people directly. 
We have already spoken with several of them, and you'll hear some more of that shortly and more in future episodes. And now a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Usual Wines. If you are like me, you might occasionally enjoy a good glass of wine. I just found a great new brand of wine called Usual Wines. Each bottle is 6.3 ounces, a heavy pour, or about a glass and a half of wine. No more pouring wine down the sink when you don't want to finish the bottle. Usual is always fresh. No more flat bubbly or stale rosé. The wines are low-carb and have zero grams of sugar. But don't grapes contain sugar? Yes, absolutely. To clarify, all usual wines are produced using natural, sustainable grapes harvested every fall. These grapes are picked at optimal ripeness to ensure all sugar will be fermented completely until the wines are dry with no residual sugar. All that is left over is delicious, clean wine. The process of fermentation happens when the natural yeast eat the naturally occurring sugar in the grapes. In goes sugar, out comes alcohol. Some winemakers will purposefully end fermentation early to keep a little sugar in the wine. Usual wines are fermented until no more sugars are in the wine. This ensures the wines are as dry as possible and lower in calories. My favorite is the Red Blend. Go check out their website at usualwines.com and use my discount code SECRETS for $8 off your first order and try your first glass of wine on us. Okay, back to the episode. Before we go any further, I want to note that we don't yet know what happened to Hayden. We don't know if one of these people all of these people, or even none of these people, hold the answers that Hayden's loved ones need. You are going to hear some inconsistencies and stories from one person to another, but I want everyone to remember that every single one of these people are innocent until they are proven to be guilty in a court of law. While lying can be an indicator of potential guilt, sometimes people lie for other, more self-serving reasons. Hayden lived in the home of Rosa Rice, and Rosa was arrested for lying to investigators. Rosa spent more than five weeks in the Walker County Jail for these lies. She never made bail, but the Walker County Sheriff's Office released her without bail right after Hayden was found. What was Rosa lying about? Rosa agreed to speak with us. I got arrested for lying to an investigator where I was at because I was having some personal issues at home. And so I was not at home. And the only reason why is because I was having some personal issues. So I was not at home. And that's the reason why I was arrested. It was nothing to do with anything about Hayden. It's just because of where I was at. And I lied to the investigator. Yes. So... Tell me, what, who, who did you see and, and when did you see them as far as people surrounding Hayden that night and the next day? I didn't see anybody that night. I seen Hayden the day of his disappearance because him and J.W. Stone is the one that dropped me off. So I seen them the morning that he disappeared. was the last time that I seen Hayden. Okay. And how did Hayden seem when you saw him? Hayden was fine the last time I seen him. Like, he was acting like Hayden. Because I've known Hayden for a little bit, like, because we worked at McDonald's together, so. 
the other people, I think maybe your husband and some of your children were at home that night. What did they yes. say about Hayden leaving? My husband was sitting in his recliner and he said the only thing he could tell anybody was that, you know, the only thing he knows is that Hayden walked out of my back door and that was the last time anybody seen me. So Hayden lived there with Naomi. Who else was living with you? My husband and I have two boys and my brother-in-law. And then Zachary Jarvis was staying here. And J.W. Stone was staying here. And then I had Naomi and um, Hayden. Okay. So Tommy Welch did not live with you? No. I don't even know who Tommy Welch is. Okay. So you don't know Tommy at all? No. Okay. So the next day, tell me who you saw. The next morning, Naomi, well, J.W. showed up where I was at. And then Naomi and her friend Candy showed up where I was at. Did Naomi say where Hayden was? We asked her where Hayden was, and she made the comment, the motherfucker's dead. How many people were there when she made that comment? There was four of us all together with her. So there was totally a five with counting Naomi. Did the others seem surprised when she made that comment? I mean, we just all looked like, I mean, like two of us, just two or three of us, I can't remember, just all looked at each other like, is she serious? I mean, because we didn't know whether she was serious or whether she, you know what I mean? We didn't know how to take it. Did y'all ask her what she meant? No, I did not. I didn't even think about asking her. And then as as you continued to live with Naomi and JW, did Hayden and his whereabouts come up again? Um, not until we got home and then Naomi and I and JW went out in the woods back like behind my house. And we just like, I don't know, I guess, I guess I didn't think or realize that she was actually true or serious about him saying that he was dead. And when my husband told me that he never showed back up, that's when we went out in the woods. I went out in the woods and started looking. Did Naomi go out there with you? Yeah, Naomi went out there with me and JW was out there too. And y'all searched around the woods looking for him? Yeah. And you didn't find anything? No. And she didn't comment anymore on where she thought he might be? No. All right. Is there anything else that you can think of that might be important? No. Um, like I said, that's what I told the investigators, what I told you about Naomi, about saying the motherfucker said, I mean, they, they know that because they've got it on record. So, okay. but no, other than that, I don't know of anything. Okay. And you don't know where she was that night? No, I do not. I have no idea where she was at night because I didn't have any contact with her at all that night. Um, she just came to where I was at that morning. We have communicated with Naomi and hope that she too will choose to continue to answer some of the questions I know we all have in a recorded interview. In the meantime, she has been answering questions that I've sent to her. Initially, she told me and commented online that Hayden was going somewhere with Tommy Welch that night. He was waiting for Tommy to pick him up. She said she sent Tommy messages that were intended for Hayden and that he'd just respond with, okay. She said Tommy never indicated that he didn't pick Hayden up and Tommy never told her that Hayden wasn't with him when she sent these messages to him that were intended for Hayden. Then Rosa told me not only did Naomi tell her and a couple others 
that the MFR is dead. She said later in the day on November 20th, she, Naomi, and JW searched the woods behind her home for Hayden. This made me wonder, why was Naomi searching the woods for Hayden if, as she told me and commented in social media, she thought he was with his friend Tommy? I messaged Naomi to clarify. I asked her how long it was before she realized that Hayden was not with Tommy. Her response read, No, Tommy never said he didn't pick him up or anything. For three days, Tommy would say, Okay, like Hayden was right there. I wanted to clarify my original question to make sure we were on the same page. I sent her a message that said, So, it was three days later when Tommy told you he didn't pick Hayden up and you became concerned. Naomi replied, No, for the next three days, Tommy acted like Hayden was there. I would message him and tell him to tell Hayden something and he would say okay. That Friday, Tommy told me he didn't pick Hayden up. That Friday that she's referencing was November 22nd. I messaged her again and said, one more thing. Rosa has said that you, her, and JW walked into the woods behind her home looking for Hayden on the 20th, but didn't find anything. Does that sound accurate? Naomi replied, yes, ma'am. I sent another message to her. I said, okay, but what made y'all want to look for him in the woods that day if you believed he was with Tommy? She replied and said, I myself had not talked to him. I had a pic sent to me from his phone. I didn't know if he had fallen asleep waiting on Tommy or at the time Tommy had not messaged me back. It was very early that morning. There are a couple things about these statements that jump out at me. Rosa gave me the impression that it was later in the day when they went into the woods and searched for Hayden. She wasn't at home the night of the 19th, and then Naomi, Candy, Zach, and JW all came to where she was the next morning. Rosa wasn't at home early that morning to go search for Hayden. The next thing is the comments I read you in the last episode that Naomi made on social media. She said, I was messaging Tommy the few days after sending messages to Hayden by Tommy. Tommy never said, I didn't pick him up or anything like that. He said okay until the day the report was made. For the record, the missing persons report was filed on November 25th three days after the date Naomi said Tommy told her he never picked up Hayden. Some other information that I find troubling is that when Hayden left that night, he was not wearing his glasses, and it has been said that his eyesight was poor enough that he really needed them. Naomi told me that Hayden left his glasses and wallet in her car earlier that day. According to Naomi, she left the house and came back several times that night. She said she left around 7, took her son to get something to eat, and then she brought him back to Rosa's and dropped him off. She said she left again but came back around 10 p.m. to take Zach and JW to work. Hayden was anticipating his friend Tommy picking him up that night. It does seem unusual to me that he didn't miss his glasses and his wallet and that he never called or messaged Naomi to say, hey, I forgot I left my stuff in your car and I really need them before I go out tonight. 
These are just a few of the details that raise more questions than answers in this case. While we initially planned to do just a couple episodes on Hayden's disappearance and death, we've obtained enough interesting interviews and information, it's going to be more than that. Join us next time as we continue to ask, what happened to Hayden Mayberry? And you'll hear from another person who was of interest in this investigation. If you have any information about the disappearance and death of Hayden Mayberry, please contact the Walker County Sheriff's Office, or you can email me at secretstruecrime at gmail.com or call our confidential tip line at 205-282-0740. Michael and I will ensure that all information gets to the right place right away. If you are left still wanting even more content, please check us out on Patreon. We have filled it with great information about Susan and Evan and Eric and Gypsy. This podcast is an independent podcast. That means that everything that goes into making this podcast is done and funded by me. All of the investigative tools and resources are provided by Echo 7 Foxtrot. The tragedies we highlight and investigate have had a tremendous impact on the victims, loved ones, and friends. We don't burden them with additional expenses to cover their cases. We donate our time and talents because we want to help and hope to find the answers they need that are long overdue. For as little as $5 per month, you can receive exclusive access to members-only photos, videos, early access to episodes, and much, much more. By becoming a patron, you too are helping us help these families. Your support as a patron of Secrets True Crime Podcast helps us cover the expenses associated with producing a high-quality podcast, traveling to conduct field work and interviews, and obtaining the tools and equipment needed to conduct a thorough investigation. In short, your support as a patron allows us to do more for these families. Become a patron of Secrets True Crime Podcast today, and let's solve these cases together. Patreon.com slash Secrets Crime. I'll also post the link on our Facebook page. If you are enjoying this podcast, be sure to follow or subscribe in your podcast player of choice and by giving us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcast. I'm active on social media and often share photos of the subjects of our podcast. Follow Secrets True Crime on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Secrets Crime. The audio production for this podcast is by Kane Power at precisionpodcasting.com.